Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Adam Ruins Everything, the podcast. I am your host, Adam Conover. I am also the host of the TV show, Adam Ruins Everything, on True TV, which is currently in our off-season, but you can find clips and full episodes of the show at truetv.com slash Everything and the Watch True TV app. For those of you listening for your first time on my TV show, I tell you the awful truth about everything that you never wanted to have, to need to know, to learn, to find out. I think our tagline is something like that. I don't know. I always forget it. It's too complicated. But on the show, I have experts on. They come on to sort of talk about uh, all their incredible work. But on the TV show, they only come on for 90 seconds. On this podcast, I bring them on and we talk for 45 minutes, an hour sometimes, about all of the incredible things that they have learned or found out. Today, we have someone who has firsthand knowledge of one of our topics. Her name is Rachel Bloom, and she appeared on Adam Ruins Hollywood. You guys are probably familiar with her already. She is the co-creator and star of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on The CW which is an absolutely incredible show. I'm sure you guys are big fans already, and if you're not, I, you're going to be one after this interview. Um... I actually met Rachel when we were both getting started as little baby comedians in New York City doing free shows in bar basements. And now, within a year of each other, we both have TV shows on the air. Only difference between hers and mine, she won a Golden Globe for hers. So on Adam Ruins Hollywood, she talked about red carpet fashion, and we went into detail about all the crazy campaigning that TV shows have to do, all the money they spend in order to win those big Hollywood awards. And so we brought her into the studio to talk more about that in person. We are so excited to have Rachel join us in the studio today. So come on, let's just get to the interview. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Interview time. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for doing the Hollywood episode last year. It was my pleasure. It was technically... The impetus of it was, I believe, my idea. It was your pitch. It yes, was. it was. You actually emailed us out of the blue and said, "I would. I think I like the show, and I think you guys should do something about how about Hollywood runway fashion, basically." Yeah, yeah, yeah. or red carpet fashion. That is, yeah, and just like Hollywood in general, because I was learning a lot of stuff that I didn't know. Yeah, and we're actually this is. Uh, it's kind of funny because we sort of. Uh, both and ended up with TV shows with well, not our names in them, but uh, but you know, like that we created, yeah, like on TV within like a year of each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, whereas we had started in New York at the, at the same time, I remember seeing you in a basement. Well, and you did the animation for uh, Ray Bradbury on a rocket in Fuck Me Ray Bradbury. Yeah, I did. That was that really... is Adam, <laughs> that, ladies and gentlemen. That was that was your big uh, breakout, your first big viral hit. I, think was... I paid you two hundred fifty dollars for that. <laughs> Probably. I think I gave you one round of notes. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And then I remember I sent you an update. I sent it to you another way, and you were like, oh, I don't know if we like this. We might need changes. And then you sent me another email where you were like, ah, we're just going to use what you sent earlier. Like you you had fixed – never mind. Oh, it was a whole thing because it was a whole notes process of like I'd worked so hard on it, and I wanted to get it right. And it was my first thing, and it was like, well, I've sunk this much money into it. I want to make sure it's good. And what's a couple hundred more dollars yeah. of 
the two thousand dollars that I've sunk. And it was directed by Paul Briganti, who it directed was. our pilot and a bunch of the episodes of our first season. And then has uh, since this season, before he got SNL, directed an episode of my show. See Hollywood, it's whatever he says. Just like Hollywood it nepotism. is, it's just small. It's a cabal. <laughs> Neither you or Paul are Jewish, though, so that helps. Like I think defeat a couple of stereotypes, which is good. Absolutely. So you had emailed because you had experienced first looking at Hollywood from the outside, and then suddenly you were on the inside and you've experienced like a weird disconnect with like what people's expectations of the sort of you know the Hollywood red carpet fashion is versus what it's actually like and how those decisions get made yeah I mean I had gone from at the time that I emailed you I mean I had gone within the span of you know seven months uh working at Robot Chicken as a writer because I was like uh, broke and didn't know if the show I had was going to go to the show going and winning a Golden Globe yeah and so it was like this kind of really, really fast, like, upwards trajectory. And there was so much stuff that, um, I mean, I, I have been a generally ignorant about beauty and fashion for most of my life. It's just, there's, it's something that, like, I look at, like, fashion and beauty, and I'm like, how do you know how to do the thing <laughs> with the thing and wear the thing and the belts? How do you know where your waist is? Like, and... And I started to learn that because I'm on a show where the clothes are tailored, and then I got a stylist for all of these yeah. events. And suddenly... All of the magazines that were so, like, impenetrable to me in high school and college, even middle school, I suddenly got, oh, this is what they're going for. Yeah. And especially, like, a lot of women's magazines are like, score, you know, Jennifer Aniston's red carpet look. And I know that they say it, but, like, you really can't score it yeah. because you spend hours doing it. Yeah. And so to aspire to that... I mean, you'll read the steps. It's it's funny because like all of these articles have like here are the ways to get um, Jennifer Lawrence's due at <laughs> the SAG Awards, and yeah. it's just like one spray damp roots with um, <laughs> you go to the woods with yeah. It's like it's <laughs> Find like a tree. oh, I'm in like hair roots. No, I know I'm joking. Oh, that's a really funny joke. It's a comedy. I'm a joke. little sick, and so I'm a little slow. <laughs> I'm a little slow on things. Um, Pray to the goddess of beauty. <laughs> Offer her a dead dog. Yeah. Hope that she... But, like, it's, like, seven steps. Yeah. And the thing is, yeah, it does take a lot of time, but you have someone who's an expert in it right. doing your hair. And I just... I've had so many experiences with, like, just, like, failed curlers popping out of my head and me being like, how do I do the things? Yeah. And so when you, you have professionals yeah. do it, it's like, oh, that's what this is supposed to be. But that's such a bizarre ideal because it's literally – I mean, I have the same experience. Like the question I get the most often is people say, what product do you use in your hair? And my, <laughs> my hair is not like super – like, you know, I don't have super amazing hair. I have like long hair and I have a particular haircut. You yeah. Know? But then the, what makes it look good on TV – is that I have a wonderful hairstylist named Marissa who spends literally 40 minutes in the morning uh, doing it. And she builds, like, to get it that high, yeah. she, like, teases it in a specific way. Like, she makes, like, a scaffold of hair yeah. and then puts the top over it. And it's, like, it's literally not something that you could do to yourself. Right. Um, like, you would need, you need to be looking at your head from the top. Like, hairstylists can't do that to themselves. Yeah, exactly. And so... It's a bizarre question. People say, what product do you use in your hair? I'm like, that's that question has no relation to what you're actually looking at in my head. Well, because it's the idea of you got this way with a product. Yeah. Which is you didn't. And yes. like, it's the same with me. I mean, I the products that I use at home, 
especially on my hair, are completely different from what happens at work. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, the best thing that ever happened to me was I went to a hair salon where they said, we're going to cut your hair to the curl for the first time, hmm. where you don't have to... Every time I got in my hair cut, they would cut it as if I was going to blow dry it every morning. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, okay, what you want to do is you want to take a round brush and then spend three hours blow drying your hair. And I would try to do that and I'd be like, fuck it. And my hair would be all fucked up. And so finally I went to a hair salon, this was a couple years ago, where I was like, I don't want to do anything to my hair. You need to give me a haircut. I was really defensive. I was like, I need to get a haircut <laughs> where like I'm not going to do anything and it's going to look amazing. And they're like, oh, great. That's what we specialize in. We'll just cut your hair according to it being curly and all you have to do is like wet it and scrunch it and you're done. Yeah. And so like that's what I do. I don't do that at work. Yeah. Um, but, but that's yeah, what you do in the off season. That's what I do in the off season. Because that's an achievable – like I, I tell people when they say what product do you use, I say I use Imperial Pomade. That's not that's not a, a branded thing. That's literally a product I use. But that's not the hair you see on the show. That's what you that's what you see – that's what I wear on my in, in my daily life. Um, you know, I'm not yeah. ever on television. It's such a bizarre ideal – for people to be – I mean we talk a lot about beauty ideals being messed up in this country. But it's – I think what the gap that we don't have is it's like saying, well, how do you get the lighting so good in that house? I don't know. There's a bunch of – there's like 10 guys with lighting equipment who are paid professionals who are doing – like everything else, we have this awareness that it's fake. It's like – like you, right. you, don't, you don't watch Jurassic Park and go like, how do I get a dinosaur? Like you know that it's <laughs> – you know that it's made by, by uh, professionals and it's fake. Well, but the yeah. actual clothes we think – well. Well, she must, you know, Rachel must be doing that to her own, to her own hair and body. I don't know what it is for me. I mean, I, I remember watching, I mean, I still do this, but like watching TV and being like, okay, how do I get that? Because that's supposed to be a quote unquote normal person. Yes. And it's not just like how they looked. It's like, like I remember because I lost my virginity when I was a sophomore in college and before then I would get really defensive uh, against like movies and TV shows where it appeared that people were having sex who were younger than I was. So I was like, <laughs> well, well, am I, that's supposed to be me. But I'm not having sex yet. Are they saying that I should be having sex? Well, that's a lie. Or is that them just like lying? Maybe they didn't even have sex. I just felt like maybe they just like gave each other hand jobs. Like I've always really compared myself to what I think normal is it's because I have to. felt very not normal for most of my life. And so now I'm getting that insider look at how people look normal, especially on TV. I mean, every time I do a TV appearance, so I have a stylist, every time I do an appearance, I'm wearing a different outfit. And nine times out of 10, it's borrowed. From a designer because it's mm-hmm. publicity for them for me to wear their outfit on the show. Yeah, and so I'm wearing a you know borrowed outfit, borrowed shoes, hair and makeup is done, borrowed jewelry, and it's fun because it feels like playing dress up. I don't not like it. I love it. I think it's really fun. But I think that we just need to acknowledge that it's playing dress up. Yeah, and I go through. I have moral conundrums about like how much makeup should I wear on the show and we go pretty natural with my character I mean at a certain point you do need a little bit of makeup if you want to look normal in a way that isn't distracting because of the HD cameras and the lighting yeah, there's a certain amount of it that's just to make you look like in the lighting and everything to, to look like a regular person because there's something that's so extreme about the lights but yeah. then of course you have professionals who are like well as long as I'm doing this I'm going to make your hair look good <laughs> yeah. and we're so now used to seeing hair look good and not messy that to have hair be like normal and messy could be a distraction theoretically. Right, there's like this really weird fine line to walk on the shows. Um, I think that something that's super. In- I just read this. I can't remember what article. So like, this is not an official Adam ruins everything fact because it's just an article I read a week ago. I don't remember where where it was. Don't take this as fact. Don't take this as it's fact. Probably a lie. <laughs> it's not. 
it's not fact checked. That's my point. Um, it was that why it was why does everyone on TV have the same haircut where it's sort of straight down and then it's uh, like curls oh, sort of yeah. down around the chin. Uh huh. Um, and it was like if you look at all these shows, you know, look at like America Ferrera on this show and and whoever else on that show, they all have the same haircut. And it was the explanation was it's uh, very easy to keep the hair out of the face. Yes. And it stays put for a long time. Yes. And uh, I forget what else. There's probably also some reason where it's like oh it's approachable but fun. You know. So um, my yes. So my hair is very curly mm-hmm. and it we had one hairstylist who was who was doing that like kind of blow drying it and then leaving the ends curly and then i was like no i want to go curlier we got a, another hairstylist and um now it's a lot more maintenance because to have my hair be curled it means that you're dealing with flyaways it means that when you're dealing with anything backlit yeah it looks more flyaway than it actually is oh, yeah and it's always with curly hair it's always playing that line of what's distractingly messy and what's like normal for curly hair and that's what's so that's what like people don't understand and not that they could ever run not that there would be a reason that they would understand it um because it's not ever out in the open but so many of the decisions for why people look the way they do on uh, TV TV or movies is like through that kind of expediency. Well, curly hair, when you light it from the back, you get more flyaways and it and it looks weird, you know, yeah. um, which is such a strange thing that we then take any kind of cue from that. But you, but you also don't realize until you do it how used to we are of seeing everyone look perfect. It just doesn't right. – it doesn't register. And so when something does look out of place or doesn't fit right, it's suddenly like, oh, oh, that fits weird. And I wouldn't notice it in real life, but I'm noticing it on – TV. Yep. Yeah, it looks it looks odd. Oh wow, that person looks that person looks really normal or whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like it's just kind of um, it's like white noise, and I think to a certain extent, great. But I also think it's something to be aware of. Yeah. And I mean, it's why I, I love when I first saw the show Girls. The fact that their hair was like kind of fucked up on it, and like their clothes didn't quite fit them. Yep. I loved that. Yep. And I try to as much on the show. Like we try to push for, um. I mean, my character's at work. She's a lawyer. You know, she shouldn't look horrible. Like, but when whenever someone's depressed or like at home or frazzled, we try to make them look as real as as possible. Yeah, I I would say you look more like yourself in person than most other TV people who are. You know what I mean? I think thank you, you, thank you. I take, I, I take that as a big compliment. Thank yeah, you. I think I I mean you know having seen the show, I think it it has a little bit more that verisimilitude, and that's why you like relate to the character a little bit more. I remember that's what I loved so much about like The Office when that was on. That was like a big show for me as a budding oh, yeah. comedy writer, and it just like I bet now if you go back and watch it, it I would be like, oh yeah, every, clearly everyone's in makeup, but it's just like Pam doesn't look like. Like you know uh, the person on you know the person on the uh, ABC sitcom. I know? know. I love the way they did. I mean, yeah. especially her hair on that, and all of their clothes on that. So good. Um. Well, so let's talk about uh. You know the uh, let's let's talk. About, I mean, you have more than anybody I know have had experience at these award shows, and it's award season right now. Yeah. So just just talk again about like. Again, picking the red carpet fashion, like what your experience with that. You gave us the quickie version on the show. Sure. But like what is that process like where it's like, okay, now you're going to go win a Golden Globe and you have to wear something specific. Like what happens to you at that point? Right. Well, so my stylist actually told me that it's, it's, it's recently getting harder and harder to borrow things that are above a size like zero or two. Really? Because zero or two are the sample sizes they have. On the runway, like there, it's there. It's mm. this thing called a sample size, where it's like the stuff that the models wear, and then the yep. stuff that you like lend out that are like the the prototypes of the clothes. And so, they're less likely to just like lend out 
their stuff that's in bigger sizes, and I don't know why. Maybe because in some cases it's not even like fully done or made yet.、Um, and so for something like the Golden Globes, because the time the the nominations are announced like only a month before the show, so there's like almost no time to get anything together. It's always really tight. Uh, my options for dresses were basically to like wear something off the runway, which I can't fit into because、mm-hmm. I'm a size six,、mm-hmm. sometimes eight, and those are like a size zero.、Um, buy a dress, but then you risk someone else like wearing that dress because if you buy a dress, that store that dress is like in the store, and、uh... like the worst thing they're like, but what if you wear a dress and then like some agent's wife. Also wears the dress or whatever,、oh. and so the third option is like have something made for you. And and amazingly,、uh, the past couple big award shows I've done,、uh, this lovely man named Christian Siriano has made me things. Oh yeah, the designer. Yeah, and he is just like he's a machine, and he is known for you know like making stuff for women of all body types, and his stuff has been great. But that stuff is made for my body. I mean, it,、yeah. it fits me to a T. And I mean, it's anyone who's gotten married. It, it's that basically. It's imagine the the fittings for your wedding dress.、Mm-hmm. Imagine getting those fittings for like a lot of other things you wear. And typically, I'll only have like one f- fitting, but for a gown like that, sometimes it's two. So how much how much do you feel like? Because you know, sort of our thesis on the show is like, well, you know, we idolize these people for their style and fashion, but、yeah. like, you know, they're sort of part of this big machine. Do you feel like it's your style when you're out there, or do you feel like you're sort of part of a, a stylist fashion industrial complex? You know, it's an interesting question because so when you get into like high fashion on the red carpet, what it feels like is it feels like high art. You're wearing art. I mean, if you look at runway shows, you look at the red carpet. It's 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 really an expression of the the art of the designers. Yeah.、Um, and so it doesn't feel corporate as、hmm. much as when you when you get into events like that. Doesn't feel corporate as much as like I am wearing on my body someone else's art. And but but、uh, this is art that I'm going to maybe get credit for. And yes, there、uh, are certain things I pick out, and there are certain things tastes that I have. But especially when it comes to me, I I don't define myself by the way I dress, and so or the way I do my hair, makeup. So I'm really down to play. Yeah. And I really like just letting people who know this stuff better than I like have fun on my head, <laughs> yeah. Have fun on my face. Like I don't have like a thing. Well, because I harbor no like I don't care about. Being credited, I, I'm not going for like this is my signature look. This is my signature style, and、yeah. my style has changed、uh, as I've gotten to know what looks good on me more. How could、mm-hmm. it not? And like there are certain, I mean, I'd say like comfortable's always been my style, but now I know how to be like <laughs> cool, comfortable. You know, <laughs> yeah. How to wear like I'm wearing like a V-neck over jeans right now, and it's like okay. The V-neck fits me okay, and the jeans fit me okay. Like I、yeah. know kind of what that is. So、But、I don't. That's a level other people can aspire to. Yes, the, yes.、So、the other thing of it, you're like the recipient of. You know. Yes, yes. I mean, I'm very much the recipient of it, and I. So it. I don't feel like、um, resentful, like the lack of control,、mm-hmm. because these people are geniuses,、yeah. and they're making me look the best that I can look. Who doesn't like that? Yeah. I think the only thing problematic is when then it starts to become like well. This is the norm, and young girls should aspire to look like this. That, yeah, I mean, it comes back again to like you know. I feel the same way. I mean, it's less intense on me because I, because I'm a man, but I have an incredible、uh, wardrobe designer,、uh, Alicia, who like I'm in like tune with now, and she like picks out stuff and and you yeah, know, your suits are really. 
she, snappy. She, she does a great. She does an incredible job, you know. And so it's like a look, you know, that we sort of like developed together. But she's like a professional, you know. Yeah. She's like a professional the same way the DP who's choosing the shots is professional. The same way the guy who's lighting me. The same way you know my my the actor who's opposite me. The same way the director is making me look good, you know. And so it's funny how. You know, you realize when you're acting, uh, and I remember the first time I stepped onto like a professional set, you know, after doing years of like sketch comedy with my college buddies, and the first time I was like casting something that was a professional set, I was like, oh, the actor is like the smallest little cog in the machine, and you're immediately aware that there's like a hundred people all around you who are like working at a very high level of professionalism, yeah. and your main job is to not fuck up and to deliver your lines and do your thing because you're just part of this machine. And the weird part about being an actor is it all sort of focuses on you, and you're the one at the shot in the end. End. But the weird part is, within the department of the makeup and hair and clothes, you end up getting credit for it like it was your idea. <laughs> when, yes, when yes. No, no one does it for the rest of it. Where it's like it's like your hair looks amazing, your hair and makeup it looks amazing in this episode. It should be like the person, the people who did your hair and makeup should be commended, which sometimes yeah. people do say. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, thank you. That's a nice thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird because I don't feel ba- I don't feel bad or wrong about it necessarily because it, I like trying on new things and looking. I'm I yeah. as a little girl, I loved playing dress up. I mean, that's what it feels like. It feels like I get to go in the dress up bin and try on all of these pretty clothes. And why wouldn't you? And it's uh, you know, look, it's you have an awareness that when you're making a visual product to be consumed, you want everything to look as good as possible. So, of course, you want the clothes to look as good as possible. Of course, you want everyone to look like that's just part of making everything look good. Right. But it's that it's that side effect that it has on the folks watching at home or the little kids watching at home. That's like a little bit worrisome. You know, well, yeah, it's two different things. I mean, for TV, it's the thing of like making it look as good as possible. Um, to not be distracting. But in, in order to do so, you get professionals who then also have the capacity to make things look better than normal, right? Yes. And so then you always get like a little tampering of what normal is because yeah. you have professionals doing your hair and makeup. Yeah. Separately, things like red carpets or even talk shows, um, but especially red carpets, it's almost as much about the fashion, which is why people say like, oh, on the red carpet, it's so unfair that – Women get asked about fashion and men don't. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, they're coming with these like stunning – if you come to a red carpet with like a stunning work of art, you're wearing a work of art (laughs) worth thousands of dollars. You're wearing borrowed jewelry worth thousands of dollars. You are participating in showcasing other people's art. I don't think it's insulting to be asked about that. Mm -hmm. And I get why men aren't asked as much about their suits uh, because suits are boring. Dresses <laughs> well, would... are dresses are pretty, and suits are like for the most part pretty boring. I'll be honest. My whole goal in dressing on the show was to like change that a little bit, just because I got a little bit interested in. Uh, you know, men's fashion, even from reading the blog of Jesse Thorne, who runs our podcast network, his blog put this oh, on. Oh, right, like, of course. All this, all this great info. I just read that blog for a couple of years. I'm like, oh my God, men's style is so interesting. And then you go look at comedians on TV and it's like a lot of blue suits, you know? It's like, guys, what are we doing? Let's, let's have some fun. And so that was part of the goal is we wanted to have me on the show, like, you know, sort of like a recognizable style, you know, but yeah, to yeah. have interesting clothes to wear that were that like look good. I'm not saying men's know? clothes can't be interesting. I'm just saying in comparison yeah. to all of the variety in women's dresses, oh yeah, there's only so interesting a suit, and everyone's yes. suit can be. Yes, um, 
That, that's that's a fair point. Even the as as crazy as one of my suits get, unless I, uh, yeah, I, yeah, there, it's not going to be as interesting as what you know Bjork is going to wear. No, of course. <laughs> and also, then, then you then you look at like shape and stuff. And we've been look, we've been fascinating with with molding the female form for thousands of years. Yeah. And so the idea of how does it fit you here? How do you know the idea of Spanx being? Barbaric isn't quite right when you look at corsets, when you look at all the ways women have always tried to hmm. shape themselves. And, you know, you could go to like, what are the, why do women do that? Is it men's pressure? Is it women putting pressure on women? There are so many reasons. Um, but, but I guess what I'm saying is like if you're playing into – if you're nominated – I mean if you showed up to the red carpet in like jeans and like a blazer <laughs> and you're nominated, I don't know if they could technically stop you. <laughs> If but you wanted be, to make a statement, yeah, I don't be rude. I don't know if they could technically stop you. Yeah, but if you were like, I really don't want to engage in the fashion part of this. Well, that's the funny part. It's an interesting thing about, and this wasn't even the point I, I set out to make yeah. with the episode or anything. But it's interesting how people say, uh, you know, well, I don't want to participate in fashion. I'm not making a statement. But yeah. it's it's the weird thing. It took me a long time to realize about clothes is that like you can't not make a statement. Uh-huh. It's it's like it's a. Whatever you're wearing is a choice that you made, and it and it sort of reveals something about you. And and it's one of those things that you can't really opt out of unless you just want to say, "Hey, we're not living in a society. I'm I'm an atom floating free in the universe." It's like, well, people, you know, you you make a state like the person who wears you know jeans and uh, and you know uh, Chuck Taylor's to well, the award ceremony is making itself. a statement. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm. I mean, I think that I always. Um the confusing thing about it was like I knew that clothes made a statement and I wanted to make a statement. I didn't know how to how to state who I actually was because I didn't know what fit me. Mm. And it's only recently that I've discovered what actually looks good on me in a way that makes me feel good about myself. Well, I am here talking to the co-creator and star of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Rachel Bloom. We'll be back in just a moment, so stick around. I'm Allegra Ringo. And I'm Renee Colbert. And we host a podcast called Can I Pet Your Dog? Renee, can I tell you about a dog I met this week? Uh, I wish that you would. In turn, though, can I tell you about a dog hero? May I tell you about a dog breed in a segment I like to call Mutt Minute? (laughs) I would love that. Could we maybe talk about some dog tech? Could we have some cool guests on, like Lin-Manuel Miranda, Nicole Byer, and Ann Wheaton? I mean... Yeah, absolutely. I'm in. You're on board. What do you say we uh, we do all of this and put it into a podcast? Yeah, okay. You think? Perfect. Uh, should we call it like I don't know? Can I pet your dog? Sure. All right. Uh, what do you What do you say we put it on every Tuesday on Maximum Fun or on iTunes? Sounds good to me. <laughs> Meeting's over. Welcome back to Anna Ruins Everything, the podcast. I'm here talking to the co-creator and star of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Rachel Bloom. Well, so I want to ask you about this uh, move on to a slightly different topic because we also talk about on the show mm-hmm. um, actually the process of winning the awards and yeah. how much the various movies or TV shows or whatever campaign for them. And I know that you did win a Globe last year. Is mm-hmm. that something that you had to do any of? Or? Yeah. I mean, the thing you have to know is no- – I mean – Nobody wins a major award, no show, no, no without campaigning. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, around award season, notice who has the billboards up. The yeah. Netflix shows, the HBO shows, those are the places that have a ton of money yeah. to just put up billboards everywhere, put ads in every variety, every Hollywood reporter. Yep. Um, they just have so much money for awards campaigning. And the Globes, um, 
There is a campaign, and the Hollywood Foreign Press is a group of about, of about 90 people. It's uh, journalists from all over the world who live in L.A., but but still write... Um, they write, like, for Der Spiegel or yeah, whatever. Yeah, ex- exactly, but they live in Los Angeles. And before I got nominated for the Globe, I wasn't on any list. What no one knew, however, is that I had done a press conference with the Hollywood Foreign Press, which every studio, every network schedules or tries to schedule. They're becoming harder and harder to schedule because they're is so much content out there. I had done a press conference that I felt went very well, where I talked very openly about anxiety and depression, Mm. and I felt like I really connected with the members of the Hollywood Foreign Press. And so uh, uh, someone told me about this website, Gold Derby, (laughs) which is where you, like, predict all the awards. And, like, no one, I wasn't on anyone's radar. Yeah. It was from a little CW show. Yeah, I remember when you won, it was like, we're like, oh, my God, Richard. Exactly. And so you're doing, first of all, you have these press conferences, and with a... You know, the smaller the group, the more that matters. And then, of course, uh, every studio, it depends on what the show is, but like studios slash networks, they'll send like uh, gifts to the Hollywood Foreign Press. Like, yeah. and, and everyone does this. It's not, you know, you'll send like fun, you know, remember our show. Um, and then or for the Emmys. uh I mean, so, so Emmys, literally yeah. a personal gift to the yeah, like every person in the HFPA gets like a personal gift from like the the person, show from the show from like the show, but it's paid for by the studio. Got it. Um, and this is just how it works, and it's yeah. not taking anything away from like myself or you know, if you win the, I actually do think not to toot my own horn, but I do think the HFPA does have wonderful taste, and like it was really cool. Um, to see, like, Issa Rae get nominated, you yeah. know? And, like, they really support creators mm-hmm. who are also acting. And they, and they, I think, support stuff, like, for artistic sake. I mean, hence, like, something like Mozart in the Jungle, which yeah. uh, I watched and is a very good show and wasn't talked about. And they were like, no, this is a show that deserves to be noticed. But there are still, there is, uh, yeah, giving these personal gifts, which everyone knows about. And then, I mean... You know, the Emmys, SAG, WGA, the the studios are paying for these screeners to send out, let alone for the Emmys, uh, for your consideration, FYC, you know, billboards, uh, print ads, um, shows. Like last year we did like a for your consideration show. Um, I mean, I got, uh, you know, I was this year uh, because, you know, I'm in the unions and the unions have awards uh and I was randomly selected to be on the SAG nominating committee where you you just nominate. I didn't even vote. Or that wasn't even for the awards themselves. That was to nominate people for the awards. Yeah. And because I was on that committee, I got like four DVDs a day yeah. for three months. And ne- Netflix sent a a box that had like a screen inside of it. Like you opened a flap and it started playing a trailer. Oh my it was like God. this electronic yeah. thing. Fucking Netflix, man. Uh, <laughs> so, and, 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 and that was just to be nominated. A lot of people think my show's for... on Netflix. It's not. It's it's yeah. distributed on Netflix after it's on the CW. And Netflix has so much money. I yeah. mean, and they have so much money. And and because at the end of the day, like you're getting what is getting nominated. And that's why the Hollywood Foreign Press is actually so great is because it's such a group of small people one vote or two votes can really make a difference. But yeah. the Television Academy is something like 18,000 people. And so at the end of the day, with the larger categories, show, actors, you're going for name recognition. When it comes to the smaller categories, those are actually like juries that vote on that. But 
you, especially now in quote unquote peak TV, you know, over, I think, 450 scripted series last year, you are fighting to just remember me. Hey, remember that when you go to vote? Yep. Remember me? I did the thing. <laughs> huh? Remember this face? Right. <laughs> so l- let me ask. I-, I know that I remember hearing a couple of years ago and this is sort of the genesis of the whole uh uh, of the whole segment was was I I heard a report I, I think on a, a local NPR affiliate here about how um, you know Netflix had really set out to win Emmys like back before Netflix was considered TV they uh, said okay well guess we're going to win Emmys and then people are going to consider us uh, you know a TV network so they sort of campaigned uh-huh. etc because it, it lent legitimacy so it it made me aware of this sort of trend where you know a, a show or a network that's trying to get attention will be like sort of try to almost like slip in through the through the awards a little bit by like it's almost like the smaller things the things that are more on the periphery will spend more money yes. in, in, through the award channel because then once you win that award it gets you legitimacy and I know that for like for your show like that like that first globe was like boom, explosion yes. of public consciousness did you have any sort of sense when the first season was airing was the network a little bit like hey we're going to go out and win a globe or was it just sort of like very very natural I mean they're very good the studio is very very good at campaign very good at this type of thing and then Gina had won for Jane the Virgin Mm -hmm. the previous year and so I mean the the HFPA it's more uh, it it can be more targeted and specific because again it's 90 people the Academy they work their asses off too and I imagine I, I don't know this for a fact but I think that what you also do is you get a sense of reviews and critical acclaim of a show when it premieres and then you're like okay so what are we going to put our money into for awards season and our show was getting very good critical acclaim. The second yeah. the second we like premiered and so I think they were like, Okay, so we'll sink our money in into that for this. I mean, they put a lot of money into our Emmy campaign last year. It's just I mean, the Emmys are so hard to break through. Yeah. And I mean I say this it's it's an honor that like that we're even in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many television shows out there and to like first of all, I mean, if you go back to like the reasons we're both lucky, like <laughs> to be making money as working artists, we're fucking lucky. Yeah, absolutely. To have had someone buy our pitch for a television show, we're lucky. To have had someone make the pilot for our television oh, show, yeah, we're these, lucky. These are all one oh, yeah. out of a hundred chances. They're one yeah. out of a million chances. And then to get a series, and then for me to like get on a show that's critically acclaimed, and then get a, get in the conversation of like awards is it, it's one in a million. It and just all that ha- all that has to happen before you even start the campaign. Uh yeah 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 and it's really hard. It, was there anything about it that you that you were like yeah I don't like doing this part or anything like that of the whole award experience the red carpet the campaigning the show itself um, was there any because I, I there's so many moments when you're making a TV show where you're like. Um, you know, holy shit, this is the least glamorous thing I've ever done, you know, like, um, uh, uh, and so I'm just, yeah, I'm just curious. You know, I think that, um, what it is, is when you're, because last year I did a lot of Emmy events. I mean, and it's, what it really is, is you take a picture in a red carpet and then you go to a party and you mingle. And what that means is, so first of all, you're spending an hour and a half, two hours getting your hair and makeup done, which is like time you could just be spent chilling out and relaxing. But you're getting your hair and makeup done, and then you're yeah. putting on fancy clothes, and then you're schlepping to West Hollywood or something. And so that's a couple hours. And then what? It, what? what's taxing about it is that your energy is up. But unlike your energy being up for when you're on set, your energy is up to just mingle. 
yeah. or and just or just to be like charming. Yeah. But you're not like making anything new. You're just talking about yourself. Yeah, you don't and have a job. To there do. isn't a second that you can't be like that you can't veg out, especially when you're doing oh, yeah. press on like the red carpet. And so it takes up a lot of mental energy because you you have to be like you, you want to be engaged with everyone's yeah. questions and you you want to do as many events as possible because it's like maybe this event is the difference it makes yeah. in the one person who's going to be filling out the ballot or whatever. And like and what that translates to is not only awards, you know, mean not only career prestige, but in the case of me as an executive producer, they mean the survival of my show. Yeah. And so there is a responsibility on, on my part, you know, being somewhat the face of the show to like, OK, I want to show up. I want to yeah. make sure to keep spreading awareness about the show. And I'm very passionate about the show when I talk about it, but it takes energy. And so I'll get home and I'll pass. I'll pass out. I'll be really tired. Yeah, it's work. It's not, it's like not a unpleasant. Party. It's not yeah. unpleasant. It's just it, it's it takes a lot of energy. Yeah, it's I mean, it's work. It's it's fun work, but it's it's work. And that's an interesting. Yeah. When you're actually on set, you can say, hey, guys, I'm going to go sit down and like, you know, eat some crafty or whatever, like in the corner while you shoot the next shot or whatever. But you can't do that in that kind of event. No, but also you're being like creative. I mean, I was in an Emmy party and um, I found myself talking to Tina Fey, which was fucking awesome. And, and I like, it was really nice to just, I was asking her about how her writer's room is. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the dynamics of her writer's room and when she's on set and, well, I don't know. I feel like we were both really grateful to take a second from like a party. We were both right. in these like heels to like talk about the thing that we're good at yeah. or the thing that like got us into the thing. Yeah. Um, and it was just really cool. And in the middle of this party, I, it felt very grounded to hear her just like talk about her writer's room and when she goes to set, when she comes back and stuff like that. Yeah. Is there anything that you wish that like people, you, you know, watching the show at home or watching the award show or, or sort of, you know, having this uh, experience of Rachel Bloom in, you know, through their their peephole that they sort of understood about uh, like the physical reality of doing it or, or what it's actually like to you as a person? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean. I mean, I think the thing is, like, I'm still me. You know, it's been two years now. Like, I'm still the person I always was. And so you you run into this now, especially with people on the conservative right saying, like, oh, celebrities shouldn't have opinions. You know, you're out of touch. What do we care? It's like anyone who's on TV or television or, or TV or film was, like, a working actor who <laughs> got a big break, yeah, right? Yeah, And so... The idea that, like, you're not allowed to have a say, like, celebrities aren't liberal because they're celebrities. They're liberal because they're artists and they yeah. were always artists before they started. Right. And so I think that, like, that's been really interesting just being like, I'm still me. And also, I've been with the same guy for eight years. Mm -hmm. And so, I, I mean, I knew he was one of my first friends I made when I moved to New York. And so I think being with the same person and having a lot of the same friends, but then having people's reactions to you be different is mm. is what's interesting and i think that the thing that i realized i used to think that success was like this golden ticket like someone gave you a golden ticket and suddenly you were just successful right but like everyone's just kind of a a person yep it was so weird the other day i hosted the ace awards which are the editing awards hmm. and i was backstage honest to god having a conversation with martin scorsese <laughs> Wow. Yeah, he and I were just like, and it, Jeff Garland was back there too, as well as Tommy Schlamy, uh, creator of, among many things, The West Wing. And oh, okay. I was backstage with them, and we were just like talking about where our families were from. Yeah. And I told Martin Scorsese about my 23andMe results. <laughs> 
And he was like, oh, that's really interesting. I was like, where do you come from? He's like, well, you know, the Sicilian side, but this other side was like Vikings. And like, you just have to remember that everyone's, yeah. a- everyone shits. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I remember being really impressed with celebrities as a kid. And my mother would would literally be like, they go to the bathroom like everyone else. And they'd be like, oh, mom, why are you ruining this? But I think about that. And she was right. Yeah, they all they, just like they all got back zits. They all got like back zits, and they're just people. A lot of you know, most of them are people who work really hard. And I have to say, and maybe it's just because I'm an actor and people treat actors differently, but most people I've met are very nice. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't met. You know, there's a the thing of like Hollywood pe- people being yeah. douchebags. I think that's I don't know. Most of the people I met are. Yeah, it's about, nice. it's about as often as someone is just just on our you know on our set. Uh, it's about as often as someone is like a dick at work. You know what I mean? Where you like where you like meet someone from another department. And you're like, oh man, that guy just like, chill out. You know, we're just yeah. trying to get through work here. Sometimes you meet someone where it's just like, don't be so stressed out on set, buddy. Uh, but apart from that, it's like, yeah, everyone's like uh, everyone else, is like everybody else at work. You know, they're like, yeah, yeah, pretty nice folks. Yeah, they're pretty nice. No one wants to be the bad guy. No one wants to be the villain. I mean, I think what I'll say is like. You get the sense why people who are like child stars or famous from a very young age are entitled because, like, I'll get driven everywhere. I have people like doing shit for me in ways that like they didn't before I was on TV. And the idea of like I deserve that, you can see how after a while you start to think I don't get to fly first class because like this is a business expense. I need to fly first class because I fucking deserve this. Yeah. Well, the weird thing that happens is, and the big thing I noticed on set was, you know, when I first started acting, even in college humor videos, but especially on the show, you know, I would be like, um, on set my first day, I was like, hey, where are the water bottles? I'd be on, you know, on set. Where are the water bottles? Let me go. Let me go get one. And then someone's like, No, 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 no. We'll get you one. And, yeah. I'm, like, and I'm like, I'm like, No, 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 no. Don't get me one. I want to get my own water bottle. Uh-huh. And they say, No. You stand there, and we're going to get you one because we need you to stand. Right. Here. Right. Right. Because we're lighting right now, and we can't have you wander off looking for water bottles. And so, like, that's sort of that's like literally, you are very important to everyone else's work day. So they start treating you in certain way. You know what I mean? Like yes. the like the um, the wardrobe assistant takes my jacket after the takes because it's her job to make sure it doesn't get left on the ground, right? Yeah, well, because you, you, she has to make sure it looks good for the next take. And like exactly. They, yes, exactly. But there are certain people who, and you know, I met a couple of. I think child stars are a good example where you uh, where they get used to that and they think it's because they deserve it, not because other people need their jobs to be easier. You know, and that's, right. that's the important part. Right, right, <laughs> and it's hard to. And then you get used to that. I mean, I'm like yeah. getting used to something like business class or first class is fucking weird. Yeah. And 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 it was funny because um, the other day I was flying up to San Francisco to do Sketchfest, and my reps were like, "Oh, if you fly out of Burbank, we won't be able to get you first class." And I was like, "It's an hour. <laughs> it's fine." And yeah. then I got in the seat, and I was like, "Oh, this yeah. is really small." Yeah. <laughs> no, but like it's. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I think the other weird thing is the way that people treat you. Um, my writing partner has been around way more famous people than I have. She did a movie with Harrison Ford and she did The Devil Wears Prada with Meryl Streep. And like, she was like, when you are with a famous person, the molecules of the room change. And even I've, I've been doing live shows lately and there are sometimes people come up to meet me and they're like about to cry or yeah. trembling, mm-hmm. which is like amazing. And like, oh my God, like it's so profound, but also like, I'm just me. Yeah. But I've made a thing. Yeah, yeah. I've had I've had similar experiences. I mean, it's wonderful how it's wonderful how people uh, feel about it. But it's almost like 
when you meet those folks, you're like, oh, you've put yourself in a situation where you where I'm not very important to you. It's like you're doing it to yourself. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not over here going like I am the great me and everyone. Bow. You know, it's like people are like uh, they, they've put themselves in a very in a in a position where they're excited to meet me. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Sure. It's not you projecting that necessarily. It's other people. Yeah. There are it's what they people, get out of you. There are certainly people who do project it who are like, you know, yes, I'm a big important movie star. But, you know, like um, it's just funny how it's like the status, you know. Uh, there's so many interesting receipts. I'm I'm often very aware of how how people you know treat me differently just because there's oh there's a way that you treat a male creator of a television show in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and so I get treated that way regardless of whether I think I should be treated that way or not in a particular, uh-huh. in a particular circumstance. Oh, that's funny. Uh-huh. You know, and so there are ways that I you know like. Uh, uh, you know, there, there are certain ways, oh, well, people at the network treat you this way or people at the, you know, on set treat you that way. And you have to learn which parts are like, no, no, don't do that. And then you have to learn which parts are like, oh, okay, yeah, that'll be a little bit helpful <laughs> if, I, yeah, yeah, if yeah. I'm trying to if I'm trying to get my It doesn't mean you're a horrible person if you let someone get yeah. you a water. Well, we got we got to run. But thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk about how it's not horrible to have someone get you a water. No, and I just also want to say just as a quick uh, that I still love people coming up to me and recognizing me <laughs> and, yeah. and complimenting the show. It's the and like greatest- I, thrill it's actually really great and and i just have people like open up and share personal stories so if you're listening to this I, i'm not saying like don't I, I i actually really like it oh yeah no i mean th- that's that's absolutely my favorite thing to do is go do shows you know in the off season from the show because i'm like these are the people who like the show yes and the whole the whole reason i got into comedy was so that people would go good job and yes. and, and they do <laughs> I just want to be able to, to say nice things. And so it's wonderful that they do. And by the way, your show is wonderful. I Thank forget you. To say your that. show is wonderful as Thank well. Thank you so much. Um, I love your show. I, I learned so show. much from it. I now <laughs> no longer buy Tom's. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, uh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming in, Rachel. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, thank you one more time to Rachel for coming on the show. And that is it. We will be back in two weeks because we are a bi-weekly, so please tune in then. Our producer is Shara Morris. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend or subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. I use one called Overcast. It's a pretty good podcast app. I like it a lot. Just a shout out for my favorite app. Uh, I'm not. Hey, they're not paying me. I just like it. And... Uh... <laughs> And don't, and don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. And once again, Adam Ruins Everything is currently in the off-season, but you can find clips and full episodes at TrueTV.com slash Adam Ruins Everything and the Watch True TV app. Or you can follow me on Twitter at at Adam Conover, or also I stream video games on Twitch.tv slash Adam Conover sometimes if that is the kind of thing that floats your 8-bit boat, robot video game voice. Okay, that's it. Bye, guys. See you in two weeks. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.